Welcome to the Snakebite Podcast number two. This episode is brought to you with the help of digbmx.com. Um, this episode, we sat down with Jimmy Levan. Uh, Jimmy has so many stories. I mean, I swear I could have sat down with him for four more hours just chatting about stuff and, and just just hearing about the adventures he'd been on. Um, but yeah, uh, sit back and enjoy, and here we go. Okay, this is Shad. We're here, Snake Bite Podcast number two. Uh, we're here with Jimmy Levan. Um, we're in my apartment. It's sweltering. We don't have any air conditioning in Oregon. We're in Portland. It's supposed to be chilly here and rainy. What's going on? I was leaving LA to escape this shit, and now we get rain. No, no, I'm stoked up here, actually. It's <laughs> good to be out of stupid ass LA. Cool. I got neck sweat right now. I got some neck sweat it going is. on. It's dialed. Uh, so, yeah, Jimmy, you're, you're up here right now, like, uh, I don't know t- what's been going on new with you. What, what have you been up to lately? Uh, up here and just uh, I don't know, hanging out, riding with the old friends. I mean, I lived in Seattle for like seven years, so I always came down and ran around with you guys too. So I'm like summer va- vacation, you know, go ride and film, hit a bunch of good spots. But my dumbass kind of like popped my thumb out of socket on a stupid crash of these trails, and I just snap it all back in like two weeks ago. But um, I think in a w- within a week I'll be able to ride again. You look, but you, you hitting do, some dope spots. You do got like a pickle thumb over there. It, I can't bend it if I want to see my life. I'm trying <laughs> it's to right enormous. Now. Right now I'm trying to. Yeah, it popped out the back too. Maybe we'll that. take a picture of this thumb so everybody can see because it it literally looks like he pulled a pickle out of oh, the jar. Oh, the shape of a lightning bolt and I just squeeze it and go, ah, pop, 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 pop. People heard it. Oh, it was gross. Yeah, but oh well. Say la vie. So yeah, you've been just hanging out in Seattle and down here in Portland. Yeah, little... riding there and hitting, uh, I don't know, riding um, uh, John's Trails on the backside of Cougar Mountain, which they're on the backside of Cougar Mountain. That should be the name of the trails. It sounds like 70s porn. Are they Not just called John John's, John's Trails? Trails. No, John, you're awesome. What you've built is great, but your trails are on the backside of Cougar Mountain, and they're awesome. And they shred, so you'd rather say, I'm going to go shred the backside of that cougar over there. <laughs> it's a funner way to go, more fun way to go ride your bike. But, uh, no, they're awesome. Riding there, and then the dudes have built up a lot more Green Lake. and made that way better. And then hanging with my boys at Seattle BMX and staying there and just, uh, I don't know, chilling. Running, riding around Seattle and hanging out yeah, with those Yeah, Se- Seattle BMX, I feel like since that, that shop's opened up, I mean, I'm not up in Seattle, and I'm not like in the in the mix up there, but... Uh, it definitely seems like since it's so close to Green Lake and stuff, and I don't know how much correlation they have with it, but it seems like those trails have gotten better. They had a jam out it's there. Awesome the park's crew. awesome. Like, all, the, all the dudes are into it, and they like, <clears throat> you know, bikes are able to ride the Ballard Bowl now, which, which is close by them. Yeah, like they've kind of taken over the little scene and got some shit going. So I'm real stoked. <clears throat> and, you know, it's a BMX only shop. And there's not too many of you guys around, like yeah. yourself. You know how hard that shit is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really cool what they put together. <clears throat> And then just go ride and hang with all those dudes. And, um, you know, Jaden Harrison, their shop, they have all, you know, their Zeph, all those dudes, all the dudes there at the shop. And then, um, shit, everybody, uh, Luke, everybody there, everybody, um, area, I don't know, everybody's cool shit. <laughs> I, I can list names forever, but, um, and we just go ride around town with those dudes, jump on Harry's boat, go blow around Lake Union. Yeah. And then go <clears throat> cook out and go ride bikes. <laughs> can't complain. Yeah, I definitely. It definitely seems like they got good things going up there. Um, so there's, you know, 
I, we were kind of talking earlier about stuff I wanted to go over with you and just chat with you. Um, kind of wanted to go over some of like, just, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, when they talk to you, they're just going to really focus like really on metal bikes or, you know, maybe past injuries or they just, you know, want to talk about the church gap or, you know, some shit like that. But I want to talk to you more, like at least starting out, kind of like your early racing days. Because, I mean, you started off like as a you know, kid racing down in Louisville, um, you know, even before you were a dirt jumper, before you were a street rider, you were a racer. <coughs> and, and your your sister was, your sister's a badass My sister's sister. still racing. She kills it. She's awesome. What, what class does she, she race she's now? She's like 40 over women's class. She's like, she's had number one before. She's number two this year at the moment. But I think she'll take it over this year. She's going to do it soon, for sure. <clears throat> and, um, but yeah, man, I started, um, I started racing in 80, 83. And uh, she only started like a two, like two years after me. Is she older or younger? She's than older, you? but she's she's only started two years after me, and she never stopped. She's been going forever. She's Fred. She has you know her team, her sponsors, and <clears throat> I don't want to say the company because I think they got a different com- bike company sponsor team. What's your, what's your <clears throat> so I forget. What's your anyway, sister's name? Susie. Susie, Susie. Levan. She okay. rips. And uh, so I'm gonna see her hit a race. Uh, in like a month does, or so. Does she ever get sick of people coming up to her and being like, oh, you're Jimmy LeVan's sister? <laughs> I don't know that that happened. No, I, I've heard it. That's, that's silly. She's, <laughs> she shreds for herself. Who cares who you are? No, no. I just say, like, you know, it's probably got to come up or something where, you know. It's she, probably happened, I'm sure, but regardless. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it probably has. Yeah. But no, it's cool. She, uh, Her and uh, her dude, he, he races too. He shreds. Her boyfriend shreds? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he kills it. And, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's fun, and I still go to the race every once in a while to watch them. Or um, I raced from '83 till '96. Oh wow, that you raced yeah. longer than I thought you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I raced up to like Superclass, and then um, Superclass A Pro, and then uh, then just went straight to uh, dirt jumping, and then park and all that shit. So like Superclass, that was more. That was just a strictly NBL thing, strictly, right? Uh, Superclass is NBL when. Uh, an ABA it was called uh, single A, okay, double so, A and single A. Right. So would have been super class and then just pro and NBL. Yeah, yeah, pro and maybe they call it elite now. I think. Okay, so yeah, you raced up to like single A super class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, did you were you actually good at racing? Did you I did good? better in super class than I did in expert class. I think it was because I finally a I was older and a little bit bigger or something and ride more. But also I was like, shit, there's some money online, so I probably made more mains. And super class and whatever. I grew up racing with Keith Mulligan. That dude used to kick my ass all the time. I would beat him every once in a while. Keith, you know, I always tell you about this shit. I beat you <laughs> before a handful of times at a uh, couple times at uh oh shit, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, yeah, South, South Park. Park. I yeah. beat you at South Park for, but I, no, Keith used to beat me all the time. But every once in a while, I'd sneak under him. But yeah, who else? Who else did you race back then? Who else was like some um, competitors that we? I, I've no. raced even Moeller in a single A when I was riding for S&M, and he was on S&M. And uh, uh, there was a lot of the old school dudes that you, I'm trying to think. Like who, like, was Timmy Strelecki or is that? Strelecki was a badass. Strelecki yeah. killed it. BF grew up racing my buddy Mike Lawsman, <clears throat> and Mike <clears throat> was the ruler. He rode for metal. He was a ruler of their class for a long time, getting national number two, three, four, six, and shit, shit like that, and um, multiple times. And this dude that we started riding with in Maryland, uh, Brian Foster, he was riding for Wheelpower, and Wheel he was national number twenty six in Mike's class. <laughs> and he was only twenty six, so he wouldn't give Mike too much a battle. 
But then the next year, he just killed everybody in the world, and he was number one forever. So all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but BF just pow, just all of a sudden took off. How old were you guys then, do you think? Uh, 15 or something like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was really young. Yeah, yeah. Well, he went willpower and then the Cybercraft, I think, and then whatever. But, yeah, Cybercraft was after it. But, uh, no, but he, he, they grew up racing each other. They were good buddies. So we, we rode, got to ride around at race trucks and shit like that together. When you were racing that time, like, you know. I was, like, two years younger. So that was, like, what, between, like, you know, 85 and 88 and stuff around those years? I, probably 88, 87 was the first time I met it. Yeah, if you're talking about that. But yeah, I've what, been riding with Mike since 84. Oh, shit. <laughs> what, what was your, like, your bike? What was your, like, setup then? What, what, what type of bike did you ride? Um, that was probably when I was at a bike shop team that was co-sponsored by Elf. So I probably had an Elf or an 89 or 90. 89. Into 89 is when I got my first S&M. So. Okay. So you rode an Elf? Elf before then, yeah. I can't even... I, so I can't even imagine you on an elf. That just seems no, crazy. But I, I mean, I had them when I was in a little one with eight kids, but I had they had a regular pro. Oh no, no, what am, I had a buddy. Uh, do you remember a guy named Tyler Shaw that raced a little kid? Mm-hmm. He raced for Elf, and he was a guy that I used to race with. So yeah, I don't know. It's just Elf. It's Elf's were Elf's are cool, but it's just like you know. <laughs> Dude, I had a purple Elf. <laughs> I had two purple Elf. My my cruiser and my 20, twenty when I was eleven years old. Those are both purple. And then I had one that was all some crazy, like Electric Blue, which I still like Electric Blue. No, the, I remember the Electric Blue ones. They yeah, were hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you have your cruiser set up so the bars and the bottom bracket matched up with your 20 so you could switch back and forth and it didn't feel funny like some dudes did? Um, not, so, not so much. My, my, no, my bike. I always keep the bar height about the same. Yeah. I mean, so, so you measure your bars up to make that, whatever. But yeah, on Cruiser, I probably had like... Five inch rise bar, you know, something like that. Yeah, I mean the cruisers back then were yeah. just long and low. Yeah. So, um, so you were racing and stuff, and then you, earlier you said like after you rode an elf, you you got your first S and M. So, did you mm-hmm. when you first moved out to SoCal? Did you move out there just to ride, or did you move out there to race? Like, what were what were the things that brought you out there before you met like the S and M guys, or how did I, that all I come met, about? I'd met them and hooked up with Chris and uh, Jump On uh, Climber and all those dudes. Before I moved out there, we did the 1990 uh, summer tour. And in 89, they did a tour and all these races. And they stayed in Louisville for the Grands, whatever, and stayed at my place. And then uh, we rode, we all rode a lot together. It was cool. And then uh, got a little hookup from S&M. And then next year, we did the 1990 <clears throat> Ride Free Tour. And that was a loose cannon in Muller's. VW van that broke down every single stop we went to. It broke down. Yeah. And uh, we'd stay there for about, like, I don't know, an extra four days and just ride around there. It was a fun-ass tour. It was, like, was the first the, one. Was that the first S? Like, that was the first Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a blast. I wouldn't take that away for nothing. It was, like, the breakdowns and shit were funny, you know? Who all was on the tour? I mean, you were in a Volkswagen van, so, I mean, you couldn't have too many people in there, could you? Uh, there was... There, no, there was also... Who was it had the red truck following? Was that Alan Foster? Who was it that had the red truck? It might have been Alan Foster who had the... Or that might have been the 89 tour. But there was... Um, I know there was another truck. And uh, it was probably about like six people all together. Some of that. Was it like you and Moeller and Climber? John Paul Rogers John and Paul. Climber. And I think, I think maybe John Slimmy came on it. And... Uh, I don't know, just a handful. Of it. <laughs> what? Where did you guys on that tour? Where did you guys travel? A bunch to? of into NBL races and then hit the trails. Go ride a push and go ride posh and go to the the races in South Park. And we did some demos uh, like uh, 
Yeah, yeah, like demos at right, or tracks or uh, what the hell? Not demos, damn it. The clinics, clinics, you did <laughs> clinics, demos, clinics. One of those deals. <clears throat> we went up to like uh, way up in like Rhode Island or Maine or some shit yeah. like that, and uh, just went around broke a shit. I sold my go kart so I had enough money to go on the <laughs> tour. That's how I went on tour. I sold my blue go kart. Go kart was fun, but I was like, fuck, man, I want to go on this tour. So I sold my go kart to go. Uh, what was like the wildest thing that happened on that tour? That you could tell us. I watched Chris buy out S&M standing against the motorboard up when we were broken down in the northeast somewhere. But he was on the phone with Greg Scott, and that's when he bought him out over the phone. Oh, you were there. And I was standing right next to him, leaned up against the motorboard. So, yeah, I saw that happen. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how much he bought it I out I heard for. it, and this was it'll drive you crazy, so I ain't telling <laughs> you ain't gonna tell? No. <laughs> it was stupid. It was, yeah. Um, Let's go to lunch. <laughs> so, yeah, so at that time, then you got on SM, um, and then did you just, you moved out down to what? Were you in Huntington Beach then? A little bit. H Ball, Westminster, stayed at the POW house for um, like two different winters. I mean, it was fun and crazy, and you're the new guy always gets bullied, but um, it's pretty cool when you're like, the young dude, and you have to share. You get to share a room. I don't know if I say have to share a room or get to share a room with Dave Climber because it's pretty wild. Climber's wild. Oh, dude, he was awesome as shit. He was cool as fuck. It was just, it was just funny. I was always kind of you just run into big weird plastic pink thumbs on the floor with lewd next to it. You're like, oh, shit, my fault. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you see weird stuff, but it's cool. He's an entertaining dude, man. I always pictured like Climber back then because I mean, he was still racing, but he just it was he. It just pictured. I, I imagined him every time he went jumping, just getting loose as possible. You know, you'd see his bike and his wheel would literally be hanging out the back of the back of the dropout on a home. So you know, he probably got like a sixteen-inch back end. He just he just seemed just loose in he general. Was, no, he was, but he was like, we're saying was like he's dead. Come on, no, no, but he, you know, like he, what's I, up, Dave? If you hear this, what's up, Dave? Yeah, no, I'm not saying no, like no, but he was, he was but I, in that era. He was just cool. He was he was punk rock BMX. Yeah, guy, but dude. I, I was saying, I looked like, up to him, going like, man, I'm sharing with Dave Clyburn when I found out. I'm saying I I, sometimes people think he's looser than he was, but he was like a fucking gnarly racer. Yeah, yeah, and then he switched over to like you know entering freestyle contests. It was like almost landing nine hundreds on mini ramps, like yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. He went for his man. Like I feel like he sometimes doesn't get enough credit. You yeah, know, yeah, for what, what he did, I was you know? I was, I was all pumped on the on that POW house, and then like everybody there, I know him forever. You know, Lawan Cunningham. I, I met him in '84. I met Lawan Cunningham in '84 at the Brookville Ohio National when he was riding for Schwinn. Yeah, like I've, I've known Luan longer than anybody. Oh, Luan's cool as fuck. I was a ten novice and he was like a twelve expert. Yeah, he was like national number three or four. He was a badass. Is he from back east originally? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like Columbus, Ohio, or was he living in Ohio for a little bit or somewhere? I think originally, I think Ohio. Yeah, Columbus. But yeah, yeah. I just remember he used to live with Butler. Back in in the nineties, and I'd, I'd pedal over to their house and play Mario Kart before we go ride Sheep Hill sometimes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I mean, you you're like in SoCal. You're you're riding for S and M. You know. Um, I mean, you how long did you ride for S and M for? Like like uh, like six years, like ninety, like ninety six. Didn't you quit and go somewhere else and then come back for a minute too? Um, no, 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 no. When I when I left, it it, it was all whatever. Um, you left like a little after like BMX Inferno or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 
right, uh, <laughs> I made some comments about my thoughts on the building in an interview, and Chris didn't like it, but I was ready to leave anyway, so I came in that day to pack my stuff up. It's business as usual shit, you know, like, you can tell. It's like a, <laughs> like a little relationship breakup. You both know, eh, it's time to go our own ways. So, like, I came with my uh, big bag to move my shit out when he came to me being like, you and Neil, get out of here. I'm like, what's we're doing? <laughs> Are you and Chris cool nowadays? Yeah, yeah. I saw him um, a while back. And uh, I think we were all dressed up as me at Halloween and tried to gap over carnate shit. I heard all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, after that... all right, dude. <laughs> after, I mean, for SM, you kind of had, like, what, two or three video parts? 44-something... BMX Inferno feel my leg and some stuff and feel my leg muscles, but yeah. that were there was. Oh, was really... I thought I had stuff in that. No, you did because I remember you jumping like uh, the Civic Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I had all section. I think I did. And then um, after that, what was the next sponsor? Was it Huffy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that always seems strange to me, especially when it first came out, because I mean, at the time Huffy, you know, that, that it was just a running joke, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, Jimmy Levan's riding for Huffy," and you're just like. You know, he's not Stu Thompson. What's going on? You know, like... Stu Thompson was the last dude, I think. They ended Stu with BMX in 84. Him and Blyther were probably the and last I dudes was, on. They were, they were the last Mohicans. And um, and then I came back home after, I think, the second X Games. I think the second one, I got fifth in dirt. I think I got fourth the first year and fifth the second year, and then like ninth or something like that. And then uh, crashed and with a blown-out shoulder, so I last... <laughs> I think we're my, whatever, something like that. But, um, and I, you know, I didn't know what was going on or what I was going to do, or what, you know, BMX sort of for real to keep going hard or whatever. And then, uh, got a random phone call that I did not think it was real. Yeah. So, oh, this is Debbie from Happy Bicycles USA and blah, blah. I'm like, who the hell is this? Yeah. No, it's not. I, I didn't believe it. I was like laughing about it and shit. And like, yeah, right. Okay. Give me the number. I'll call you back. And I call back the company. And you hear a hobby bicycle USA, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> um, all right, and then um, talk with them when they were wanting to do a restart and BMX and whatever, blah blah. And uh, cool deal. And I'm like, "All right, shit!" And they picked me up, and then they got um, Todd Lyons and Randy Stumphauser, and I did that from um, about like a year and a half because I started like in the ending of. 96 or something like that and went through up to 98 yeah 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 so like i was on them for like a year and a half so you know they just came to you out of the blue and were like hey we want well, to start my, my buddy jared rafflick who works worked for uh dk or maybe still does <clears throat> thanks dude if you're still there anyways he said they were say, you know asking about different people that you know weren't having a sponsor or whatever and he knew i just left s&m and he said, hey, check this dude out. He just, you know, he got fourth last six games, fifth this win, blah, whatever. And they're like, oh, shit. And so he kind of helped line that shit up for me for the most part. I always feel like, well, after you guys got all in Huffy, I remember, I think, didn't didn't Rye, Chris Rye, do, like, the Huffy Annihilator video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your part in the Huffy Annihilator video, which I think is, like, what, 97? It came out in 97. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's gnarly, and I know not very many people saw it because I almost feel like it was a promo video, but, like, you do some gnarly <laughs> stuff in that thing, and I'll pull that video out once in a while and show people, and it's just like, I know well, you... Well, they never had it on DVD. It was only VHS. And I don't think so. it's online anywhere. Well, Chris put it on the bonus. It, it, it's one of the hidden pieces in the uh, Roadfuls box set. Oh, so There's that section. It. That section's in, hidden in the Roadfuls box set. 
And I'm trying to remember what day. I'll just tell him right now. <laughs> no, no, no air it out. People got to see I'm that. I'm trying part. to think where it is. Oh, it's some. It's in the. It's in the. Somewhere in the first road falls, I think. But uh, it's one of those Easter egg things. But no, well, can't yeah, to go find. If you guys <laughs> want, get get the road fools box set. Start hitting buttons. I, who knows where in the first road fools and watch Jimmy's Huffy and Thanks, I later man, I part. It. <laughs> it's it's dope. So thanks, man. Um, so you you had a signature frame with them, the MJ12. Yep. Now was that did you guys do frame and forks or was that a whole complete bike? It, it was a whole complete bike. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, now did you ride that actual bike? I mean, because with did. the things with Huffy. I, I designed it, and I did the it, well, I, I, well, local viewers, which I stole it from. Nobody has done it since, Daryl Young, uh, old bike. But I was the first to start putting a pinch thing instead of a C-clamp. Yeah. And I put that in my tra- bike, the MJ-12, which actually, you know, means... Because all the, all the old DY JMCs yeah. had it, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool, and, you, you know, you don't got to put a C-clamp on it. Yeah. And then I made the um, first one just, like, on the right side, because people weren't wearing switch shit then. Yeah. And made the... The hub on the right the side a little bit bigger because we had 16-tooth sprockets. So you made the drop out so, bigger on so, the drive side? Uh, bigger yeah. so you wouldn't grind over. I did a little bit of uh, design work in there, yeah. you know, and and shit like that. So, um, But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the ones that they sold in the stores and shit like that, um, I have one I saved. But I rode, um, we got really good metal and shit. And Mike Melton, the dude that, like, builds all the road bikes for all, like, the Olympic teams and shit like that. That dude hand weld make and cut my bikes right in front of me and make them and uh, I never had one problem with them. But I mean, this is a dude to build Olympic bikes. So your bikes are so my bikes are dialed. I never cracked one. I never anything the whole time I was on Huffy, not once. But your bike wasn't the department. The department no, one to one you'd see me in Target on the poster and oh that one. No. So, but it was designed the same as that one. But the other one was probably shitty China, fucking uh, not real forty one thirty with a bunch of microscopic gear bubbles in it, and this was actual good. Yeah, yeah, stuff. So it's kind of like when you see the pictures of Blyther when he rode for Huffy, and you're like, is that a Skyway TA with <laughs> Huffy stickers? So well, I was legit, but it was just specially made in house. Yeah, um, and then you rode for them for like a year and a half. And I remember it seemed like you left right before that Huffy team kind of blew up. You know, like when Ruben got on, and you know. Like Ardeline and all those dudes, it kind of seems like right before that crested and like they kind of went out and took all those dudes. Like you left. What what was the reasoning of you leaving Huffy? Uh, they 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 just weren't stoked on me. I don't know. I wasn't doing that great contest, which I was. And then Randy got fucked up, and Todd got fucked up, and I blew my knee out, tore my PCL out. And they're like, oh, you're better than anybody. You got you can't you ride because they had a whole team of people that couldn't ride. And I said, I will ride the rest of the dirt circuit season, but I ain't gonna get my second and third places, dude. I'm I can barely I'll ride, just ride and try to make the finals. And, you, and I did that all year. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh wait, you're not doing good. Okay, later. <laughs> I'm I, like, I told you guys, my knees blown out. But uh, you blew your knee out on that wall right over the yeah, rail. Yeah, the wall right over the rail for the Huffy in the Nylon video. I remember seeing that sequence back in the day. And, you know, I'd seen, like, you'd see, like, back in the day, Vic Murphy and those dudes do wall rides with five stairs rails. But that was, like, the first, like, oh, it was, like, an 11 stair rail. 12. Oh, shit. 12, 12, 12. <laughs> okay, I'm Who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I remember I was, like, blown away by that sequence. And then no, I don't know if it was. What was it? But I, I, I thought it was dope. And then somebody's like, oh, he blew his knee out. And then all of a sudden you were off Huffy. And then they had, like, a whole new team, you know, and it, it was kind of crazy. So after you blew your knee out on that time, kind of. 
what where'd you go with BMX? I mean, what was going on with um, you then? I mean, I rode, I rode with it for years. It was PCL and not ACL, so it was side to side. But I didn't actually get the surgery. I did all these little exercise shit and went to therapists and did all this shit. But um, and then I just said I started wrapping it and using the um, knee braces and shit like that. And usually when I have knee problems, uh, sometimes I just call Doctor Hoffman because Matt knows more than anybody how to take care oh, of me. Oh, sure, yeah. Stuff. He'll do the whole don't wear your knee brace longer than two hours straight because your blood won't flow to your muscles and it'll kill down. And I'm like, oh, shit, thanks, man. So I'd get advice from smart, cool friends like himself. And, uh, you know, but uh, by the end of that, months had gone by and I had uh, a brace for it. And, um, you know, it wasn't a cheap one. <laughs> but um, and I just, I just went back to ride and just said, screw it. But you and didn't have then, a sponsor for a long time after um, that, did you? That was right when that one happened. It was right before... Uh, Monterno gave me a bike. Thanks, Rick. I rode a standard Trail Boss, and I got that in like uh, December that year at the at the Christmas um, Columbus Classic thing. He brought me a frame, and I rode that for a few months for about a year, probably almost. And we did um, Road Fools One like uh, yeah. two months later or something like that. Now, I remember you having one in Road Fools One, and uh, what a Trail Boss were yeah, you riding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I remember you seen you do all. And a trail boss is so heavy compared to anything nowadays. But I remember seeing the stuff that you're doing in Road Fools 1, and I'm like, that motherfucker is doing that on a trail boss? Uh-huh. I'm like, that bike is way too light for you to be jumping that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you you definitely went out and, like, destroyed it in, you know, oh, Road Fools 1. So. I appreciate it. Um, and then, know, that, that might have even been, like, I was probably like, you know what? Fuck you, honey. I'm going to bust some shit. I mean, I'm, I don't know that, but I'm guessing... In hindsight, you know, and being that age, I probably wanted to make sure I did some shit on that just to give a middle finger to Huffy. I, probably, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, now, looking at it psychosomatically. <laughs> now, when you were on Huffy, uh, not to keep dwelling on Huffy, but I've got to imagine, like, when Huffy came in, it was, like, a big deal. Were you getting, like, contingency from these bikes, like, in the department stores and stuff? I mean, was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. was it, I mean, everything pretty... Pretty nice and comfy at that point. I wasn't making Cornistagio money, but I wasn't poor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I did good. Yeah, yeah. For especially... That was a cool thing. As my, my um, love your dad. I ain't hating, but my dad was really always against BMX my whole life. Yeah. And um, and when I got that contract and showed it to him, that was the first time. It's kind of like, Jim, what, Jimmy, what? Oh, oh, well. Um, oh, all, right, all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so I was happy that I saw him give me a okay, dude. Yeah, yeah. So he, so that was that was cool. That kind was of cool. validated things with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, much love, Dad. I ain't hating. You just wanted to make sure I did something, but um, yeah. So you rode in what the first three X Games? I think four. First yeah, four yeah, X four, Games. Yeah, the two in Rhode Island and the two in San Diego. The thing that I, I want to talk to you about, like two contests. So I, I want to. So when the first X Games came out, because they're I mean, it's kind of probably hard for, you know, some of the younger guys to comprehend they're not even being X Games now because you could be probably almost a rider that's 30 and have always dealt with X Games through your whole riding career. But how was that presented to you? Like, you like what are these kooks just coming in and they want to do this big contest that looks like toaster strudels everywhere? Like, Actually, it was really cool. No, because I didn't know what the hell was really it was going on. Yeah. We did. We had, um, we had the King of Dirt and... Um, Oklahoma during the ABA Grands 
And now it's like Thanksgiving every year. Yep. And then um, I don't remember what one year is that your guy's second or fourth or I'm not sure which one that what year I got what that year, but I did pretty well in that one. And um, and then there was the Christmas classic thing, and that's uh, right at Christmas time. There's a big the big drumming contest at the yeah. uh, Columbus, Ohio every year. DK Dirt Circuit yep. thing. And um, I got second that, at that one. So I had some, a couple good placings, and then I think it was Matt that actually called me. That was like, hey, man, we're doing this thing for ESPN. It's going to be called Extreme Games. You want to do a contest this summer for an ESPN thing? And I was like, yeah, why not? Oh, so it wasn't just – I figured it was just be some like – you know, I know Matt was involved, but I figured like just – I don't know. I just figured it would be presented different. So that that sounds a lot well, more Well, I legit. guess they got – they probably got a hold of them. And I think it was Matt that called me on that one, but, I mean, it was just a – one off. Hey, uh, could have been Swope or could have. I don't know, but I'm. I don't. I, maybe they, I'm guessing they probably did listings from the last contest series or yeah. some shit like that. And uh, and I was like, all right, cool. And so that was all good, but it wasn't until like June or something or July, and then um, a month later than that, two months later than that, and was it February? I think January or February. I. Um, Snapped my ankle really bad. Oh, damn. All in uh, doing a little cliff hop and West Virginia snowboarding. I had to wear a cast for 11 damn weeks. So I had to wear a cast for 11 damn weeks and then get it off to where my leg is so skinny, little chicken bone leg. Yeah. I couldn't even ollie on a fucking skateboard if I tried to. Yeah. And um, I had six weeks until the first X Games. So I had six weeks just to try walking a lot, jogging a lot, skating a lot, riding, pedaling around. Just to build up this little leg that was about the size of my arm. <laughs> so uh, so you went into that like not even close to 100%. Oh, I just, I I wouldn't, it took me, I don't even know the first time I hit an uh, actual size jump. Because like I said, it took me a while just to build it up to try to jog on it or anything. Yeah. So I think, um, I probably went up to uh, Dayton and rode Nova Trails and Fort Wayne and uh, rode Fort Wayne Trails for like the three or Four, the three three weekends or something before yeah before the contest yeah and the first X Games was just a single jump right um did we we might have had quads but if, if we did it was one where you didn't even the first year nobody was jumping doing shit over the first yes. set you just jump over it and then I remember who was in it, it was like you? Oh, first, another second one I had, I had, yeah I had quads yeah yeah and the so, first the first one was I think the first one might have had quads too but. I, th- I want to say it was a single jump, but I know I think it was. maybe it was. Was a single jump? The yeah, first year? it was you. All right, screwed You, Miron. I hit my head a lot. Who is it? You, Miron, Taj, Akabak. Who else was Mike Griffin in the first one? Uh, I think he, he was in two. Um, and um, no, there's a. It was a oh, Joey Garcia. Joey Donnelly. Joey Donnelly. Joey, Donnelly, uh, Joey Garcia. Joey Garcia. Um, it was a lot. I think it was like twenty people. I think. Did I think J- just and J one. Did Miron uh, won? I think Miron won, didn't he? I'll put money down. I think there's a point in time, damn it! I was in the first place spot and like the third jump, but I ended up getting fourth. But I ate shit on a one for the seat grab bar spin. How, yeah. How? Okay, so I've seen that numerous times in the '90s. You know, throwing them hot. How consistent were you with that trick? Um, I was mainly a contest trick, but uh, so I, I admit I didn't practice it a whole lot. Yeah, but I mean, I was more than fifty-fifty. I would say I was sixty-forty. Oh, that, that's <laughs> but those good. crashes are pretty hard. Yeah, no, <laughs> they look bad. It's, it's, when you try to like uh, bus drive it around, 
and then put your hand on it is when you eat shit. You gotta toss, and there's a point in time you gotta let go of your seat and your bars at the same time. So you have one foot on one pedal, and your bars are spinning because, around, and you gotta catch. Because your catching your hand is holding on yeah, to your seat. You're, you're going like that, so you gotta you gotta like you can't try to uh, bus drive it around and one hand land it. You gotta right when your hand meets to your toboggan zone, you gotta go zap and then move them back. Yeah. Um, so the more dangerous is the more safe when, way. When, it seems like it. So when was the last time, before I even bring up the other contest, when was the last time do you think you did a bar spin? Like, you know, because everybody has that. Yeah. Like, when's the, when's the last time you remember throwing the bars? Shit. Not to put you on the spot. No, but. no, no, no. I'm trying. I mean, I, I know little goofy ones like disaster bar spins. I did. I, you know, I can do yeah. that, whatever. But, like, uh I, I still have two fucked up knees and bar spins are the trick that I'm oh, God. knees the most. Dude. So that's why I kind of stopped uh, that one because both of my knees, my, I mean, I, both of my ACL, my ACL and my left one, I can pop back and forth right now today. I don't even want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But that was one trick that would hurt knees. So I did them a lot. I did them a shitload in the 90s, Yeah. but I just don't too much anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. Fucking, um, damn. It's probably been. I know it's probably been, except for a disaster type shit. Yeah, yeah. Or off, of, maybe off of a flat ledge. If I'm being silly, yeah, like a feeble or something lean like back that. one. Um, it probably four years at least. Oh shit, that's good. Four or five years. Um, so the first X Games was there. What was there? Any, I mean, it seemed so weird. Like the ranch, and they had the toaster strudel paintings on them. They all had squiggly marks. Um, even though the street course at that time looked pretty awesome. Uh, was there any like things that you remember from that first X Games that were just weird or stood out like crazily to you um well yeah yeah this is this is the whole that was my whole funny thing about x games one is that was the first time we got all this kind of like rock star treatment shit you yeah know? yeah and i was just laughing about it because i didn't believe it was really happening <clears throat> and one day i go back to the bus they have these buses that drive us back to, to the we're staying i mean we're not that rock star we're staying in college campus uh dorms yeah that's what we're staying in but they have buses that take the audience and the athletes back. <clears throat> and I walk up to this uh, bus that takes people up and back. And the whole bus is full. And I walk up and get on a bus. I'm one of the last people on the bus. Well, I obviously was because that's how I did it. As soon as I walk in and they saw my athlete badge, they stopped everybody. I'm like, they're like, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm on the wrong bus. My fault. No, no, no. And they said, everybody get off the bus. They made everybody go off the bus to take me back by myself because they couldn't have audience members on a bus with the athlete. And I was like, dude, I don't care. You're wasting gas and shit. These people got shit they got to do. And he goes, we can't have our audience with the athletes. Why? And I was like, uh, all right, man. So that's when I got the funny joke. I was laughing. And my mom was with me. I remember my mom driving me to uh, like a, a drugstore. And I got a uh, black eyeliner and I put kiss makeup on me. I, wore, I remember that, yeah. I wore Paul Stanley's kiss eye on X Games 1 because I was making fun of the rock star treatment. And then, even though I only got fourth, apparently, I uh, got some shit from ESPN, so your timing and all that shit. Yeah. I got a shitload of TV time. And because I think that kind of helped just wearing my makeup, they're saying funny things like, he's got the star in his eye tonight. We'll see what, <laughs> all this kind of shit. And it was like, it was a sarcastic joke that I was pulling, but it kind of flip-flopped on me. And, uh, but no, it didn't. It didn't flip-flop on me. It got me a shit little TV time, but that's kind of funny. That, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. you having the makeup, but I just thought. I, just, I was just thinking, we just got there and realized, what in the hell is it? Yeah. 
And my response to what what did this stuff look like? What was it like? It will make you do something silly because the first time you see it, yeah. Yeah. So the second contest I want to talk to you about, which I feel like a lot of dudes my age kind of look at it as like, I mean, it was such, I don't know, it was just a, it just seemed like a fucking cool contest was the MTV Sports and Music Festival because you looked at the street course and it actually had like ledges, but there was still like, you know, some good course. It was just a nice mix of everything. The riders that were invited were like riders that you were like, oh, it's not like, and I'm not even trying to hate, but it wasn't like, oh, we're going to bring in Rob Nolly and like these dudes. It was like real dudes that rode street or real dudes that rode trails. Um, and you were like, it just seemed like an awesome contest, but it just seemed so out of the blue how how it was. And it seemed like everybody that went there had a great time and you never really hear anybody talk like it was a horrible contest or anything. It feels like it was like, Courses were always fun. The courses were actually blast. So yeah, that first one was the first one or the second one, the one with the trailer. Uh, that was the second one. The first one was in Austin, and the second one was in uh, Memphis. Okay, so let's talk about the first one. I mean, how did like how did that all come about? The first one, I wasn't even supposed to be riding that. The first one, I was down there for some I forgot what, and I went down there and I wasn't uh, exactly on the thing, but. Um, we were hanging, and McMurray said, "Hey, dudes, ride, drop in, and ride with me on my run." And, yeah. Uh, and I, we all did, and there were some little, like wedge bank things, the wedge bank things, and I gapped across them all. Yep, yep, yep. And they were kind of stoked on it, and then so we rode a lot, and then after doing that shit, uh, the next year MTV got a hold of me and said, "Hey, can you come and be on the? Can you do the? You know, be on the uh, show next year?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So that's how the uh, segment went. Oh, yeah, I guess in the first one, like, if you watch the footage and props, you only got a couple clips in it, don't you? Yeah, I did, like, one run with McMurray, and then he had a couple of us drop in. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I guess it busts some shit. I mean, I... Like, the gap, so they're like, oh, shit, ride the force next year. Yeah, what are they going to... Are they going to tell McMurray at that time, like... Hey, we don't want your friend on the course. No, no, well, that was was a funny... That was an awesome thing. McMurray, you roll if you hear this, what's up? But McMurray got a little loose... And went to jail that night, and he got up and rode the contest the next day in his jail uniform. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he had his uh, little yellow outfit, orange outfit on and shit in the jail. Damn. You roll, dude, you lose. Uh, so the second one was in Memphis, and that was the one that had, like, the big wedge-to-wedge wall ride. I think Taj did the alley-oop wall ride yeah, over it, yeah. and it looked like the wall ride was going to tip over every time somebody hit it. Had the trailer. That course looked like... The sturdiest strip brick wall street, but it kind of wasn't. No, it, <laughs> but but they did a great job. It's funny because you look at something that looked like you'd be punched, your hand would break, but you could probably punch right through it. Um, but I mean, but they did a good job. I mean, they were Hollywood as shit, making it look real good. But there were a couple things that were flimsy, but like the roller coaster double kink rail was awesome. I like that. Oh, I forgot about that, that thing, thing. Was fun because there was no kink in it. It was a good roller thing, and. Um, I was stoked as shit because the first day of practice, not a lot of us have been riding it yet or anything. Yeah. And because um, all these people were floating around, so we weren't really hitting it much. And practice ended, and I was out there sessioning it with two of my, like, skate skate gods I looked up to. Yeah. And it was, like, Mark Gonzalez and Ed Templeton and me. Yeah. And, um, and I was stoked. Like, I'll be a little kid. Yeah, I pulled it first. And they were like, oh, man, I did it twice. And they started busting it. But, uh. I mean, I had Mark Gonzalez's board when I was 10 years old, you know, and he was like, hey, man, like, slap me five for pulling it and shit. And I, was, yeah. I felt like the little kid that, you know, meets Matt Hoffman. I was like, oh, shit, Mark <laughs> Gonzalez just said, awesome job, man. I was stoked. I, but I wasn't a little kid. I was yeah, fucking yeah. 24, 5 at the time, you know. 
so that contest, um, well, everybody remembers you trying to jump, you know, the whole semi to the, the second bed. <laughs> how, how, how far was that? Like, I mean, man, the thing with that one is, uh, I mean, if I think of it today, I still get salty because <laughs> I had it. I fucking had it. You made I it, had you it, made it to or the I made one. the distance. My thing was, I popped up and I was going big, fast, far, and I knew I had it. Was a lip I would have just done it, was a flat bank. It's a flat bank. I should have just done a Greg Hill tuck and pop and hold it and then land. Yeah. But I, I got up there and I started, oh, trying to want to whip a little table and kick out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to kick out a flat off a flat bank your first time you do it. I mean, it had lip to it, yeah, but just whatever. And I started getting whipped sideways. I got stuck into a kick out table and I was like, oh, shit. All right, fuck it. And I just had to toss it and jump. I mean, I landed on another trailer. I would have made it fine. And then my bike bounced off the trailer and nailed somebody in the audience. Oh, apparently. shit. Yeah, supposedly some some dude got kind of whacked by my bike in the audience. <laughs> and sorry, dude, if you're out there. But, um, yeah. Did you, uh, did you, you obviously had to have gotten jacked because you didn't try it again. I separated my shoulder. After, oh, really? Yeah, I figured yeah. you'd have jacked your ankles or something. No, it was my, uh, my shoulder was fucking sticking six inches down and I had to snap it back into place. Pow! Yeah. Somebody stick their arm under your shoulder and pop I've it up? I've done it to, on corners of walls, and that one kind of had a 50, uh, like 90 degree bend my elbow and just go whack. Damn. Lean up or lean on a picnic table and snap it back in. Shit like that. So, yeah. Um, but I made the damn thing, but if I would have just jumped straight, I would have landed it. Were you, at that time, were you still riding a standard or you, it was metal already? Oh, no, no, I was on metal. I was on metal there on my bike. So, what, what was the oh, year was that? Was that 98 or 99? That was 99. That was 99. Okay. Yeah, metal, so metal started in 98. It started like in the middle of 98, but I didn't get a prototype bike till the very end. Yeah, what's the, so what's the story? I know, you know, everybody thinks back to metal, and it's, you know, I think most people just think of you as like, you know, you you obviously you're the figurehead. You're you you know you it's your company. But how, how did it kind of? You know, there was a few more people involved when it first started, and then it had to kind of change gears, right? Yeah. Well, in the beginning it was going to be um, uh, my my uh, Brian Castillo and uh, Zach from Kink, and this myself. is before volume, but Kink yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had um, and I'm cool. You know, I haven't seen or talked to Zach for a long time. I saw hung out with Brian down a volume a while back. I never had a problem with any of those dudes over it, but they were kind of button heads on even having a, having it in New York because Zach's like, oh, already got King King and blah, blah, and Brian yeah. wanted it in California. California's a spot, and they were button heads, so it wasn't going to work. But I did the um, first two metal logos, the metal with the lightning bolt and the metal spade logo. Yep. That's, that was both were my pieces of art. So the metal so, one with the two lightning bolts on the side. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then the, the, my and spade, then the spade logo spade with spade the, one. Yep. the skull and crossbones and the upside down five-point star. I designed those, and I was like, well, if you guys are doing something different, I'm I'm just going to do this, and I'm keeping this name because whatever. And they're like, all right, cool. So Zach just stayed kink. Indeed. Brian did volume. And I just did metal with my logos. Did Brian get bikes out from volume before you started getting the metal ones? Um, I'm not sure. Probably. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's he's a much better businessman than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, damn it. Yeah, you're kicking my ass, but good job. <laughs> uh, so then, you know, that fell apart between Zach and Brian and you, and you're like, screw this. I'm just going to I'm gonna move forward and make these bikes. So were the first bikes, were they made at Moss, or where were they made at? Yeah, down, down in good old Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. And um, the first ones, and then it went up uh, New York. But the first bike I did was the Kiz, 
And then uh, what, what's the name behind the kiss? I, I, oh, I just want I, I just like the uh, kiss logo. And okay. I just turn the S's backwards. And then look. I honestly I don't know. basically kind of uh, yeah. Uh, I mean um, yeah. Kiss was my fir- kiss was my first favorite rock band when I was four five years old. Yeah. And so a kiss kiss bike should be my first BMX bike, especially if my name's Metal. So I just kind of. Uh, turn the uh, S's backwards. That makes total. So I would ask. I remember I asked. Remember the logo looked like. No, that? yeah, and I see that, and I'd ask. I remember I asked Jeremy Davis about it when he was riding for you guys, and he like literally had no. He's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't. So you, you you started metal. Who were like uh, kind of the first guys on metal at that time? Who's kind of the OG metal crew? Well, do you make these these hard questions or twenty years ago? Oh um, shit. No, no, no. No, that one, Mike Lawson, obviously, and Jeremy Davis, and um, the, or Joe Cornell jumped in, doing the business with me. Uh, I started a little bit before Joe jumped in, but then, you know, which I appreciate his help. And, and then Joe, uh, Joe's Joe just Cornell. A, yeah, kind of OG Louisville dude. Uh, originally Illinois. Oh, Illinois, Louisville. Okay. And then, you know, and then uh, we had like, uh, you know, Ryan Metro. Yep. And um, uh, Derek Gabbard. And, um, we and Metro, had, I mean, the, I Metro in your guys' first video, I mean, he was like... Metro section was ridiculous. He, was what was awesome. he, like 15 years yeah, old then? Yeah, Dan Price jumped in right about then. Yeah, Metro section was amazing. Dude, when I first saw that Ryan Metro part, I think he was like 15, he had the little afro. I mean, it was... It's. I watched that part, actually, we watched it this summer. And I, I mean, Ryan's just an amazing bike rider, period. But at that time, for how young he was and the stuff he was doing on street, like just the crazy long ice grinds... He was like a little prodigy. You oh, know? definitely, definitely was, and he's still shred. I mean, he's got a bike again, and I keep he's got back problems. Get, doesn't yeah, getting to ride again. His back's really bad, unfortunately. Come on, bro, hope that thing heals up for him. But um, I keep I was always bugging him to try to get him to uh, like I know he don't want to, but just start riding vert. Just go pump the balls. Yeah, because I mean, you got you have the bike control, and if your back can't take land on flat, that's what I tell everybody. Just go carve tranny. Um, you know, so, so hopefully, um, I hope that shit works out for him and gets better. But now, did Dave Young rode for you guys for a hot minute, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then where did he did he leave to go to Hoffman or was Hoffman? No, Hoffman was before me. Dave now owns a dope bar, The Crying Wolf, in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And I went down to his uh, and seen him there like twice. Uh, when I go back to Louisville, yeah, something go down there and check his spot out. Really awesome. Uh, Bar venue, awesome good bands play there and shit. No, Dave, Dave's cool as fuck. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we so go back. Um, I remember the first time I met Dave, we were going to San Diego to ride the old Tijuana skate park. You remember the one? Yeah, yeah. I rode so, that shit with. <laughs> this oh, is before you know. This is way back in the day where y- you don't know when sh- what shit happened. So we go down there, and I was buddy was with Sean Yarl, and Sean's like, "Hey, I'll get you a place to stay. I got to work tomorrow. You can crash at this dude Dave's house, and then you guys can drive over the border in the morning." So we get to Dave's, and he just, first off, it was like right when that ride came out with him with the bright red hair and the Jad test. Remember him bombing yep. those rails? So I'm like, oh, fuck, this is this gnarly-ass dude. So we're staying with him, and then he gets a phone call saying a week before we got there, the Tijuana Skate Park got filled in. So we drove all the way down there from Oregon for the skate park to be filled in. But Dave was always super cool, you know, and, like, we've been friends ever since, and he's just like, he's... I think people don't realize, like, you see how gnarly he is in videos, and he's just, like, the mellowest dude. You know, like, he, every time, he just seems chill, but... Yeah. But, yeah, he rode for you guys for just, just a quick second. The, um, 
No, I mean, probably, uh, yeah, it's like a year or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, something like, yeah, like a year. And then he went to Kink, I think? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, no, he's doing good, man. Um, yeah, I was only, I guess, a month ago, two, two months ago, last time I saw him. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I saw a picture of him with, Jesse Whaley sent me a photo, and he was at some bar, and they were they were hanging out, so I was psyched to see him. Um, yeah, so you guys did the metal thing for a while, and... Uh, I heard Dan Price start, got another bike to ride again. Oh, really? That'd be awesome. Somebody said that he... I don't, it could be rumor, but somebody said he started riding again, which would be awesome. If Dan made it back on BMX, that'd be cool to see. Dan was... I feel like Dan kind of was ahead of his time a little. Like, oh, yeah, he was. I was stoked having him on team. His part in Faded Glory, our first video, oh, was dude, really it's, cool. It's so good. Really his own steez riding. Oh, and how the fuck did I leave out Caleb Kilby? Oh, my goodness. That dude oh, killed sorry, it. I love Kelly, Caleb Kilby off the list. I'm a... Um, I mean, you've had a lot of. I mean, there's kind of been a yeah, lot of yeah, iconic Caleb, riders. He, Caleb's an awesome tattooist now too. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, yeah, he's kind of um, yeah. He's in London doing tattoos. So, does he but ride? he he was always blasting and shredding everything. Does like he crazy. still ride a little, or is he pretty um, much just wrapped up I in that know. tattoo scene? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm I'm really not sure. But I know a lot of tattooists don't like riding and skating because they don't want to fuck their hands up. Yeah. So. Oh, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. You know, how did you, uh, like, when you first started metal, I mean, when you were sitting down and you came up with, like, those logos, what, what kind of brought those logos up? How did you, I mean, you you came up with them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, because it feels like the metal spade one is, like, I mean, you know, there's iconic BMX logos out there, and I feel it's, like, one of the most recognizable ones, you know? Well, we were, um, I was coming up with all this same thing with the name metal and shit like that, and, uh. It's funny because, I mean, I, it could have meant a million things, but in a way, Mike Laws kind of helped me with it. We were joking about, like, uh, I'm thinking about all these layouts we're going to do. I'm like talking about, like, old 70s bands type of shit and stuff like that. Yeah. Just do the name. And Lawsman's really Just into music, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. records and stuff. And, uh, and when I said something about doing something like old 70s bands or whatever, he made something about Motorhead. And I'm like, Motorhead, oh, shit, yeah. Okay, Spade. But I was a playing card Spade, and he gets Skull Crossbone. And then for a star, oh wait, we'll kind of turn it to make it look a little upside down, so make it five yeah. point star. I mean, it's not a pentagram, it's just a five point star on the side. Yeah. But like, it makes it look a little t- different. And um, so I just uh, came up with that, but I didn't even know how to work on computers yet. So I could have took a playing card and Xerox copied the uh, the spade logo, yep. and then got a, cut out a little picture of a skull and crossbones, and then made a little star, and then also drew some. And then I had a friend of mine said, "Scan that shit in and." You know, but then I ended up paying a tattooist a um, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. I'm like, just draw me a, so I don't want to have a copy skull and crossbone. Yeah, you want your own. Yeah, yeah, I want my own. So just uh, draw me one that I can use, and here's you know whatever. So that's then I so I had a tattooist draw me a better just skull and crossbone, and then I just drew the little upside down star or whatever. How many people have sent you pictures of them having metal spade tattoos? I really want to make an ad with it once the ball is rolling again. But, um, yeah, yeah, I have a lot of people all over the world. I'm really stoked. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen Oz of the Worlds in Germany a few years back. There's these three dudes. Uh, I think they're from Greece, and they're all buddies that all re- rode together. Yeah. And they all three had uh, metal spade t- uh, tattoos on them. And this was, this is no, this is like in, this is a while back. It was like four or five years ago. Yeah. And then they're like, man, look, that dude even has zebra pants on. <laughs> and they're like, all right. And some tight zebra print pants on and metal tattoo and shit. I was like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> it was pretty damn cool. 
And um, no, no, yeah, there's a lot of people I've been getting. Um, England, I mean, Rob Castle, where she lives uh, in the U.S. now. Yeah. But him and some of his friends. And there's a lot of people around that will send me, um, oh, shit. Oh, I'm going to feel horrible for his name. Is it Paul? Um, and Northeast has two spades on his uh, on his chest. Oh, wow. Uh, Massachusetts. Um, shit. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there, I get it's really oh, cool. Sure. I'm stoked seeing that people do the logo I, on them. It's I really feel cool. like that one, and like we were talking earlier, that and like the dig hands are probably the most tattooed like BMX logos, I feel like. Uh, I mean, maybe there's some little devil ones out there. I bet you there's some little devil ones, but right. I feel like I see the spade more than a lot of them, cool. you know? Yeah. Um, so, growing up in Louisville, um, and you were in the race scene, how did you... Who are some of the other bigger writers? I know, like, Pat Miller's from that area. What works kind of like... Or, and you and Pat are close to the same age, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was, it, was it was a tight scene at first, but there were some fucking badasses in it. I mean, like, um, we're in the nowhere town, middle USA, and, um, but, like, Pat had a quarter pipe in his backyard, and there's another, there's a skater dude that had a half pipe, uh, vert ramp. Didn't you guys have that weird half pipe that was dug into the grass out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, well, that got later. And then, uh, then, uh, Tom Horning's mom's, uh, Ottoman Skate Park. But, I mean, it was like, you know, like, um, one of the dudes, Kevin, Kevin Daly, he, he works for, like, a mountain biking shit now, like, Specialized or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, he was a good vert dude. There was a little bit older than us. And, uh, this dude, Mike Yeager. And uh, Chris Young, he wrote Flatland for Standard. He was Oh, yeah, I remember Chris scene. Young, yeah. Chris and I knew each other. Little kids were racing. And then eight years later, we are all riding, like, street and stuff. And, like, oh, this dude guy moved in town. And uh, it was him. And I didn't know, but he was riding Flatland. Yeah, he had, like, a couple parts in a few Standard videos yeah, and yeah. stuff. And Pat Miller and Brandon Trotter and uh, Top Man. And uh, did I say Mike Yeager already? I forgot. Yep, yep. Uh, Todd, yeah, I said Todd. Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a bunch of... But Pat, did, and Pat, and Pat, you know, Pat was always blasting. He was kind of the, the dude that came out. Like the, he was the main vert dude for sure. He was always blasting and doing, you know. And Brandon did a bunch of dope ass vert shit too. You know, there's a crew. You know, like on our buddy Josh and, uh, you know, you feel like a dickhead because you know you can leave about eight names out. But um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, did you write with that? Crew. Did you write with that crew more than you wrote with the racing guys? Or yeah, did, yeah, that's when I well, that's when I started veering that way. I started riding with those dudes more around like age uh, probably thirteen. Did you ride vert at all? Yeah, yeah, I rode vert a little bit for a little bit. Nice, thanks. I got fourth at a BS contest and not in pro vert, but in, like in a what, what, expert or beginner or something like that. What vert? What BS contest? Uh, Chicago. I don't know. It was like fourth in one of the cheesy classes, but all I do is. Lip tricks and turn downs and toboggans and <laughs> Smith grinds and no I did a nose wheelie manual to Smith grind the bar spin to Smith grind and uh, I'd do some weird lip tricks but if I go over six or so I start casing or flat bottomings so yeah I, I, I'm not a vert dude man can't do it yeah and expect, growing up probably around Pat I mean he's oh, like yeah, he's like one of the dudes he knows that's that notorious he, he wants to and he just he'll always catch the tranny perfect on the way back he's got it dialed. Yeah, he, still to this day he goes down to Louisville and kills it. Uh, yeah, he, he and the thing is, growing up, he was always a dude with the helmet and the pads and all that kind of stuff, and I'd never be on that that shit. Yeah, and now I go back to the park or do whatever, and I'm the helmet dude. Well, I need him after all my head injuries, and I went there like a month ago, and Pat's there, no nothing on uh, no helmet, 
and he's getting like six feet out of the 13 and a half foot concrete that has weird trannies and yeah. roll-ins on it because the coping sticks out. I'm like, dude, you're blasting eight, six, eight feet out of fucking 13 and a half. You better chill the hell out and put a helmet on, dude. But uh, he's still doing it, you know. I love it when I see Pat because he just looks like some like just older punk rock dude, and he just fucking just roasts that roast, you know. Yeah, there was rumors of Lawsman went back there to the park recently, but I haven't I haven't seen him down there on it yet. But I hope so. But, so yeah. did did you and Pat like, you know, in Louisville was I, I know like you're into music, and it seems like Pat's in music. Was there like a big music scene that you guys kind of yeah were yeah yeah Louisville's always. Had it's always been awesome. It's funny. A lot of people don't know that a lot of these bands are from Louisville because in the nineties they were always jumping on one of Touch and Go's labels. I mean, Touch and Go Albini had like thirteen different labels off of Touch and Go. Yeah, like Quarter the- Stick and uh, yeah, yeah, all these other. There, there, there was a bunch. Maybe thirteen's exaggeration, but what, what like were a couple big like Louisville bands that you knew like growing up or like Slint? Came- Slint. I, oh, I, I yeah. was hanging out with Brett Walford, the drummer. Um, he's, he's a real good buddy of mine. Um, met him up at this bar, my friend, uh, my friend's bar, the Outlook in Louisville. My last night in town, and um, you know, and uh, I don't know. I mean, Slint obviously, and uh, Evergreen, but she was in that band too. Yeah. Uh, you know, my morning jacket's from Louisville. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. Pat, Patrick Callahan's out there. Drummer, he's a real cool dude. And um, yeah, yeah. There's always been, you know, a bunch. It's a lot of you know Rodan. They they should have been bigger than they were, but they were pretty damn big for a while. And um, I mean, we were talking about that band Elliot that I liked earlier. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I had been good buddies of mine, King Horse. They were bad as shit. Growing. My first kind of like punk show. It was like '88. A local show that I went to was King Horse, and I okay. saw them in '88 at this uh, high school show. And uh, the, uh, I still I was just hanging out with a guitar player. Um, my Bacalli last uh, last time I was back, and Sean Garrison, uh, singer, he actually rode BMX for a while, and I didn't know that for for years. Yeah, and he's like, dude, I knew you from the track after knowing him for like eight eight years. He told me that like just like ten years ago, and I didn't oh, really? know I knew him from the track. But uh, yeah, band King Horse, they're like, you know, produced by Danzig and shit. Like they're heavy as shit. They're awesome. You guys, if you like heavy ass shit, check them out. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of. Uh, so that's what that was. That was my thing in Louisville. Was then after a while, Pat moved to Austin, and uh, a lot of the other dudes would move away or get into be the responsible ones and get to school, get jobs, and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the new bike crew was a lot younger. So um, I would ride with the dudes, and they were cool as shit. But at nighttime, when I'm 21, and yeah. all the dudes are 17 or 18. You know, I'm going to go out to the bars and go listen to the bands. And so I always kind of hung out more in the music scene, the bike scene, for a little while until some of the old kids got older. Got with Where it. you could hang out and so, stuff. So, like, I was kind of the weird bike dudes that just hung out in the music scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you were still living in Louisville when uh, you guys got the skate park, and it was, like, a big deal, like, Nationwide. I mean, what was it at the time? Was it the biggest skate park in the United States at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, um, did you, you know, like how what how did that affect the scene? Like, how did this? It changed it completely. And um, I mean, finally we got something. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the process of going? You know, that one was funny because that one was um, the way the process of it was. This is the first year we got the X trials. Pat was living down in Austin. Yeah. 
so I was the only person, <clears throat> bikers, skaters, skateboarder, whatever, in Louisville, from Louisville, that uh, was qualified to ride it. Yeah. So the little newspapers and the TV news stations and shit like that all wanted to do shit with me <clears throat> because the local rider. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. local boy does good. Yeah. And it went down the first year, and it was just all corny and tacky shit. And uh, then the next year, they all called me back, and I was just like, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. And they keep calling every other day, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. <clears throat> and finally, one day, a note struck in my head when they called me, and I was like, I'll tell you what. I'll do an interview if we can talk about what the hell I want to talk about. Not all as cheesy as topics you guys brought up last time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I just said, um, you know, the city's calling this a, um, the new extreme city and blah, blah, and all this kind of crap. And I've been with ESPN and with the first four damn X Games and even stuff before the little contest shit. And I know it, it, each city makes about seven to ten million dollars, seven to ten million revenue each one of the times this contest comes to town. Yeah. With all the cities and the hotels and this and that, blah, blah. blah. And you're calling yourself extreme city. And we don't even have a public skate park. You ask me why am I think I'm the only person here that made the qualification? Because I grew up getting the hell out of the city. I yeah. went to places I could ride. And all these kids are still getting ticketed, skating and riding. And yet you're calling yourself the extreme city. And you're going to make, if you guys do a three-year deal, what's that, 21 to $30 million you're going to make? And we don't have a public skate park? This is ridiculous. And it was on the cover of the paper and shit like that. And then the mayor's office got a hold of me the next day and said, hey, let's talk about the skate park thing you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, all right. And then that's how we got the ball rolling, basically, for the park. That's, that's how I did I mean, it. That, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember it was such a big deal when that park opened. Like, you know, just everybody was just, it just, it's weird now with like, you know, how with skate parks every five years, like you'll be like, a par- you know, some park will seem old, but it's like, I've been to that park. I mean, it's. It's big. It's it's still and big. And we lucked out nowadays. when they had to tear part of it down to rebuild the um, the freeway. To rebuild the freeway, we actually got way more in the end. And uh, the good thing about it is, Pat doesn't like it he, as a vert rider. So I give you the vert rider's thing. He wants to ride like a vert ramp, and it's more like a thirteen and a half foot deep ditch bowl with a full pipe and a yeah, cradle. Yeah. Because the part that's only like a straight half pipe is only like. Uh, 12 or 15 feet wide Yeah, it's so much bendy in it Yeah, so he wants to ride like a vert ramp so he says for vert it kind of sucks which so he would know not me <clears throat> but I mean the full pipe is dope and you can loop over the cradle it has like a 7 foot hole in the middle yep. of the cradle and you know it's 13 or 13 and a half so that's 26 or 27 feet you know so it's and you can go over that shit but I think the cool thing about it is not the new street stuff is I think it's going to bring a lot uh, the old school cats that kind of quit skating or riding. Yeah. I think they're like, oh, shit, look what we got here. So it'll bring some old school dudes back, and it might kind of, like, revamp the younger people getting back into it. Is the medium part of the bowl still there with, like, the good hips and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that, that's the part that stayed. That yeah. whole front part stayed. The other okay. part got tore down. But it's, like, twice as much shit as there used to be now. Well, you can't complain. And the way skate parks are built now compared to even, like, when that one was built, like, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. There's... They're built so much better, so you probably did end up with a better park in the long run. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny at the end of the cradle, <laughs> at, at, the, at the end of the cradle, there's a uh, like a seven foot tall, a seven foot tall hole, like a pipe yep. that you can go through. 
or you can carve over in the cradle. Yeah. And um, and some kid, some kid was like, "Oh, that big seven foot hole." And somebody, something, something. I remember it was me and him said seven foot butthole. And I said, "What, Kobe Bryant?" Because I'm a Clippers fan, so sorry. So now I got some of the kids calling the cradle hole Kobe Bryant. He's a <laughs> seven foot tall butthole in the middle of the cradle. But because uh, I'm a Clippers fan, sorry, Kobe, get over yourself. You like yourself too much. <laughs> <laughs> um. So here I'm looking at my little questions here, just kind of going through some stuff. What and, and you know everybody probably had it since you you know you were pro in the '90s, especially towards the late '90s. You know when the X Games, and everything were rolling good. Did you have like just one of those really weird, awkward sponsors? You know, like you know how some of you guys were one eight hundred collect and stuff. What was the weirdest sponsor you probably ever had? Um. Man, I can't. Remember. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, um, You've, or did you keep it. Pretty I really didn't. I really didn't. I lost a really cool one, and one I could have had at the end of the Huffy gig. My mom lived in Nashville. Yeah, and um, there was a dude that she knew that worked for uh, Jack Daniels, and I could have got sponsored by Jack Daniels. And Huffy was like, "Hell no!" And then only three or four months later. Is when I got the axe from them. Oh man! So I probably could have got more money at Jack Daniels. Imagine going to the MCV Sports and Music Festival with just a Jack Daniels shirt on. That'd be cool as shit. Yeah, that would have been really cool. <laughs> but I probably I could have pulled that one. But like, uh, I mean, I was always the one making fun of the people with the sunglass sponsors and shit yeah. like that. I was making fun of my real fools. <laughs> and, I do, uh, I do and, remember uh, that. But like, uh, so I tried to. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any real goofy ones. Oh, no, I'll tell you. No, a funny one I did one time. Um, it was it was before. I think this one was before um, Huffy, in between Huffy and uh, S&M, or S&M and Huffy. Um, Trek came up to me at a jumping contest and wanted me to ride for him for just one contest. It was before they had Stricker, before they had a team, before they had a yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. And then they go, oh, wait, never mind, because... Uh, Fuzzy uh, said, oh, my buddy Matt here. But he didn't know I already had some work, and I'm sure. And so because Fuzzy said it, they listened to Matt, so they took it away from me to give to Behringer, which both those dudes are awesome. I don't, It doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah. We're, we've always been great friends. But uh, Matt had some crashes, so he didn't um, he didn't make the finals because he had some crashes. And then uh, the next day, the finals come up, and Trek comes back to Jimmy and goes, oh, hey, Jimmy, so hey, do you, you may want to ride for us today. I'm like, you already gave me this. Hell no. They're like, oh, well, you're the only one not sponsored. You made the finals, and can't you? And I made them double the pay to wear this jersey the next day because <laughs> they, already, they took it from me the other day. So I was like, so that was kind of funny. She's I'm like, all right, sure, but it's X amount. So I just flipped it. How much, how, how much you get? How much you get? We don't talk numbers here. Oh, no shit. <laughs> Those Trek numbers are hot. But anyway, but yeah, so I just, I got some out of the end for them dissing me. <laughs> but yeah, no weird... So that probably was what, like ninety six or something. I can't believe I had to have some kind of huffy. We had to have some kind of goofy sponsor somewhere. Um, damn it, no. I mean, just normal little Fox for gloves and uh, damn. I'm trying to think. Yeah, nothing weird. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, so I got you know towards the end of the podcast. I'm gonna, we usually run through like some. Uh, some questions everybody sends in, you know, just to, and I'm not saying we're done, you know, but I'm like, fuck, we'll just go to the questions and 
and roll through them. I know Stephen Hamilton sent like 50 questions. Hamilton, what's up? <laughs> Stephen Hamilton, how you doing? <laughs> so we'll run through some of these questions and, you know, kind of rapid fire ones just to... Just Steve's my brother. He lived on my couch for five months, and we never charged him rent because he was so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Me, at mine, and Seth, and all of us, he had, we had a place called the Sand Pit, and the Sand Pit was uh, the couch that Hamilton lived on. <laughs> Why was it the Sand Pit? Because it was just always sinking and full of some dirty shit on it. We didn't really want to sit on it. He just <laughs> did a no telling what kind of weirdo shit in it, and there was always like weird scraps of food and kind of weird smells and shit in it. <laughs> And that was so, when you lived Seth Holton up in yeah, Seattle? Yeah, yeah. The sand pit. Yeah, it was kind of weird. How long did uh, Hamilton stay with you guys up there? Like, it was like four or five months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's our brother. Right on, Seth. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's one um, from Ill Violation. I know you and I know who this is. Uh, let's just say hi to Ray in Louisville. Oh, what's up, Ray? Uh, how much, uh, he wants to know how much diet Mountain Dew do you consume daily? Which usually, I had no clue about this until I saw this question. Usually about three uh, super gulps, super big gulps at Seven Eleven. Is this Two a new thing, or has this been going on for no, a long time? No, I, I have a slight problem. Uh, I have a drug addiction with Diet Mountain Dew, and um, I'm gonna have to go to some rehab for it and shit. But it'll be okay. What, what? Okay. I don't know why because I, why I, diet Mountain Dew? Because at one point oh, time I quit drinking how soda. Many is I, I, at one point time I quit drinking soda. Sixty four for close to a year, and I was in much better shape. I wasn't fat so much, and um, I was uh, you know felt good. Uh, skin was okay, and then I was like, oh, diet soda, and then I found Diet Mountain Dew, and I just got all strung out on it again. So you said you drink three super gulps of it a day. No, those super big gulps at Seven Eleven, two or three of those a day, but two. So three of them is a hundred and ninety-two. <laughs> oh, really, sixty-four? A super a super gulp. No, there's a there's a there's an extra like a big gulp now. That's no, just a the, big gulp. The thirty-two is the super big gulp. No, it's not. <laughs> Dude, I got two empty ones in the car. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, I just can't believe you drink the diet, man. That's yeah, well, so bad. I know it has all that whatever in it, but... Well, yeah, so... I mean, I can't say anything. You, we know I have a severe yeah. Mr. Pibb addiction. Um, it has that weird... Yeah, it's got that weird electric dildo juice stuff in it. <laughs> uh, so, this guy, Chris FYB, wants to know, what's the one gap or trick that you've done that scared you the most? Oh, Seattle. Yeah, I was a shitter guy off the pot one. The Seattle, the big gap in but the But it was really, the really cool thing about it was, um, I used a Joe Ritual, which is no more than three run-ups and really go on the third one. Do one to look at it, go the second one to check your speed, and then the more you look at it, the more you're going to think about what not to do instead of what to do. So it kind of makes it more dialed. <clears throat> and the thing with that one was, is you couldn't really do a real run-up to it. Because I had to hop a curb and oh, then land, yeah, there's the curve. and then coast only like eight feet before I had to pull up again. Because I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I bunny hopped up to the curb, and um, so my second run up to it, I would have usually gone faster at a run up than that, but I couldn't really go at the right speed to do it. So the third time, I just calculated and said, "Here it is, I'm going," and I went, and um, I just looked and went exactly perfect. It went exactly fucking perfect. I don't know what, how, or whatever. And then uh, I landed. I was so amped. And I'm like, Keith, did you get it, man? Did you get it good? But he's like, yeah. I'm like, man, if you didn't, you know, I'll get it again. You know, whatever fuck. No worry about it. Don't. I'll, I'll go. Let's do it. You know, he's like, stop, stop. Jimmy, shut up. Do not fucking bunny hop that again. Yeah. I was like, what? 
And he said, he's like, look, we'll go through the camera. And it was, that was, you know, digital cameras coming in. It was yeah. 2005, 2005. We looked through it. My heart stops racing. I remember there was this point in time I looked over at Keith. I was like, Keith, man, um, thanks for not letting me do that again. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Cool. All right. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> How, so for the people that haven't been there, because I've seen that gap in real life, and it's, it's, fr- it, it's, it's, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Tell people about the setup because there there is a curb up top before you jump. You hop, you, you you go down the street, but it's not a super wide street. You got to go a good handful, of, not not first straight BMX race speed, but like third straightaway speed. But you go down, <laughs> you go down, um, you go down a road, and then you got to swerve over to the right and hop up a curb and wind a big wide loop around this on the sidewalk around this telephone pole and then cut back into the street and then hop up a curb and roll like uh it's like it it might be a 10 foot because then the wood part goes out after the double sidewalk so but you're going fast and you've got like between eight to ten feet maybe nine feet to coast before you got a bunny hop again and then you got a uh, drop like a store and a half. I think the, the, the thing was even with the, the windows in the second story. Yeah. So the windows are like halfway up it. So it was like a store. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was, it was pretty, it was, but then also then you go, go out to the bank, you know, you don't land at the very top of it. So, um, yeah, it was probably like 15 or something like that in height, 15 in height or something. And, uh, and then like, about maybe 30 in distance, yeah. 20, upper 20s to 30 in distance, and then into a 8-foot bank. The bank's pretty big. Yeah, it's like an 8-foot blacktop bank. So that's the, tr- out of everything you've done, that was that was scarier than that? That was, that, was uh, that morning when we went to go shoot it, um, we went to breakfast, and uh, I walked out, and I called my mom, I called my sister, I called my dad, and I called uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine at the time that we were still friends or whatever. I just called her by saying, hey, what's going on? How you doing? I didn't say anything about what's going on today. Everything going good? Cool. All right, love you. Because I was like, there's a good chance I might die today. So I'm just calling these people. Yeah. I mean, I don't have no damn helmet on. We just should have. How stupid. But I just called, like, my mom, dad, my sister, and an ex and told everybody, how you doing? Hope all is well. Cool. All right, love you. Late. And then we went up there and shoot it. <laughs> and was that... Way scarier than like the church. You know, you're known for like the church gap and that gap. How much compared to like the church gap in Austin? How much I've seen two people try a church gap and eat shit, and they got up a lot better than when Hoder tried uh, spinning the gap. He grinded his fucking knees down to the yeah, bone. Yeah, because Hoder tried three in the gap up in yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He built a little fake wedge ramp, Hoder. So don't forget that part. But no, I still <laughs> I give you mad respect because spinning that is gnarly as shit. And if you try it again, best of luck. That's dope. But uh, he, no, he, he took his knees down to the bone, and he's like, "Oh no, I'll spin that shit." I'm like, "Well, first off, you should you should by now. I did it ten years ago. 2005 was ten years ago, so uh, you had a lot of time to fucking ride up to it and look at it. And then you build a wedge ramp, which is kind of a cheater launcher. But regardless, you're spinning that, it. That's you're just, spinning it, so I'm giving that you was just the curb, though, right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. to get up the curb. But it was a, it was he built a little uh, like a to an eight foot mm-hmm. piece of. Plywood and make, build a little wedge. You're gonna have, you're gonna have a little so, Hody's gonna be after no, you. No, <laughs> we were joking about last week because he's like saying he was giving me shit. Like I'll spend your shit. I'm like you ain't shit doing it. And you built a wedge ramp. 
But I give I, I give him mad respect. That's dope. No, that three. If he tries to do it again, uh, best of luck. I hope it works this time. That was dope. Footage looked awesome, right on. But the, you, yeah, that you're gonna end up. But way anyways, worse. get travel crashes on that. Which, which Mike's was, which he should. I mean, he landed. He crashed on like somebody that jumped at Straightwood because he got most of his spin. If anything, he's just slightly rotate over rotated and kicked out. So he crashed on it like somebody else would crash on it. But he slid down on his knees with no pads and just grind his knees to the bone. He was he wasn't riding concrete. for a while. He wasn't riding for a while, a few months uh, more. After that, yeah, yeah. And um, so, and then the two people, uh, one of the dudes that crashed on the church gap. I almost thought it was cooler than me pulling it because he's so duck and rolled out of it. I'm like, how in the hell did he not get hurt, period? One of the dudes that cased on it yeah. so much, he stumbled out of it pretty good. Paul Buchanan cool. did it, didn't he? And there was, there was uh, yeah, I heard Paul I mean, did it. I believe Cannon, it. So and I believe it. You gotta believe it, though, right? But apparently he was out riding. No, no, but I heard it through the grapevine and didn't hear it. If he told me he did it, I would have known for sure. But I heard the grapevine he did it. But Paul's awesome. So uh, I heard he was just out riding and did it. Uh, no, didn't say that to nobody. Just like I didn't want to shoot it. It's already been done. Yeah. So, but he just wanted to do it. But then, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it seems like you could you probably get away with a crash better on the church gap than you could on that. I think you might just blow out your back wheel and take a good stack. I mean, you can blow out your knee. You can crack your head. You can still get. Depends upon how bad you case it. Yeah. I mean, if you robo case it like that one thing he tried. To <laughs> <laughs> You can be jacked. You can't do that. Where was that thing? Somewhere like in uh, out towards S and M. Is it yeah. Santa Ana or something? That gap. Oh, tried to do it. Oh man. Uh, uh, yeah, but if you land like that on a church gap, you're gonna blow your balls out in your stem and you're gonna die. But right. um, so try not to do it crash that way. Well, here's a couple more Mountain Dew uh, from Joe Freeman. He's asking about Mountain Dew. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm looking through more of these. Um, man. Um. Oh, Stephen. Well, hold on. I'm trying to find Curtis right now. Hold on. Okay. Let me find Curtis real quick. Uh. All right. Well, I think we covered most of these in the thing. Um. A few people are asking just like kind of topics like on when when what's up with metal when when's metal coming back what what are you working on with that I'm supposed we're getting something going by the uh, new year but and hopefully for the christmas season at least getting bars done but I'm waiting on my metallurgist to get me this stuff so uh Todd or Robin if you hear this and I email you to listen to this we got a lot of people checking this out people have been interested he got a, he showed me his list of questions people want to see some stuff so um, we just got to get the right size tubing with the new metal we're using. Yeah. And um, and uh, if long that stuff works out good, then hopefully we'll have a, uh, you know, if we just get bars out first, I'm going to be happy. And then uh, frames for the new year would be amazing. But um, I'm doing my best. I'm waiting on uh, tubing. Okay. Is the answer that that works for me? I have blueprints already. Keep, keep your fingers crossed for getting some bars out by Christmas. So. Word. All right. Um, oh, here's one more question. This one was funny. We talked about it earlier. Uh, don't see how to be a Max guys. Um, oh shit. Oh yeah. Do you have any good fat house stories since you used to go up there and ride all the time? Oh my goodness. Those are usually those moments you forget because you're too hammered to remember them. But uh, the fat house was loose as shit. I'm trying to think about the. Um, it was some loose every weekend with Colin Winkleman and Steve Crandall and Tag and 
Jody Donnelly seat posts and all those weirdos <laughs> out there. I mean, there's something loose going on every week. I'm trying to. Um, so you'd make the trip up from Louisville. I was I was in at the fort, the fat house, every, almost every damn weekend. Yeah, you know, with Stu and all those dudes, and um, it was like because we, you know, that's when we built the trails here a lot, and they had a mini ramp in the backyard, and uh, no, I was always, you know, and then. <clears throat> Brian, all the weird butt up dudes from fucking from PA would come down yep. from Be- Bethlehem and hang and ride, and then we'd go up there. That was our, those were awesome summers because that was just basically Fort Wayne trails and posh and push and just doing that, going around to those places with all those dudes for like two summers straight. It was awesome. Yeah, really good. All right. Well, um, you know. I don't know. I guess that might conclude it. You got any, you got any last words? Anything you want to say? Yeah, yeah. I'm um, doing this little summer tour thing, so everybody's been helping me out the place today. But at first, I'll say thanks to Mom. You're the best. And um, like Trask, Fredrickson, and Fredrickson in Seattle. I've been staying with him a lot. And uh, Dave Kelman and Pat Doherty, Jeff Frazier, uh, all, like I said, the Seattle BMX dudes. Uh, the, the two Ryans and Corey and uh, Linda had, uh, here. Everybody around the Northwest just hooked me up and let me stay with them and show me a good time and riding around with their bodies. So just uh, much love. Thanks a lot. And uh, I've been having a great summer with you guys. Let's keep it up. Thanks. Uh, if you want to know more about us or who we might be interviewing next, you can head over to snakebitebmx.com. And remember, if you want to get your full BMX fix, head over and check out the guys at digbmx.com. They've been doing great stuff for years. Until next time.